Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, we have WWE Hall of Famer, TNA Hall of Famer, Bully Ray and I talk all about Monday Night Raw. How about this? We get into the Legends Return. That's right. Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, Christian, and Big Show. How did they get involved once again with Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton? And how could they have been used a little bit better? We get into that with Bully Ray. Also, we get into a storyline that is very near and dear to my heart. And that's the Mysterio family with Seth Rollins and Murphy. We talk about that. And how about this? A surprise phone call from WWE legend and Hall of Famer Edge. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Let's get into Monday Night Raw from last night. And let's start at the beginning, Bully, because after what we saw at Clash of Champions with the ambulance match between Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton, we see Randy Orton. And he made, a, he made a hell comment, which could be leading to a match with Drew McIntyre at Hell in a Cell on October 25th. I, I think we're probably going to get that match, especially what happened last night. And that Orton walks off. He's frustrated. He, he took his ball and went home. But he obviously came back at the end of Monday Night Raw and took it to every legend that, you know, was just having a friendly card game in the back, Bully. First of all, what did you think of Randy's promo to start the show? And what did you think of our night goggle vision, Randy Orton, to end the show last night? Hmm. Here we go. Uh, Randy obviously dropping the hell line. You don't know what it's like to go through hell. They're probably setting up for the idea that you mentioned yesterday on the show about building up to a hell in a cell match, which I think would work. I mean, I don't know how much longer we can continue with Randy and Drew, but I guess as long as you have a gimmick match like hell in a cell on the horizon, you can pull it off. So Randy leaving the building Obviously, we know that Randy's not going to be gone for the night, but he did stay away forever. I honestly would have liked to have not seen Randy's face until the end of the segment. I would have loved to have seen him stay covered up. Fast forward to the end. I would love to have seen him. And then the last shot of the night would have been the reveal that it was Randy. So we saw the janitor with a cover over his face and a hood on, right? We don't yeah. know who it is. It could have been a it could have been a retribution person. It could have been one of Tazawa's ninjas. We don't know who it is. I would have loved to have seen that person take out the night vision goggles and put it on their head while still keeping the head covered up. Then enter the room, put the night vision goggles on, shut the lights. Then we get the destruction, the destruction, the destruction, the destruction. Then when they exit the room, now we get the reveal. 
I would have loved to got the reveal afterwards. I think that would have presented us with a lot more intrigue. Like, who is this? What's going on? What, what's the deal? And now, oh my God, it's Randy. As opposed to, oh, it's Randy. And then here's all the destruction. You kind of see it coming from a mile away. I would have saved the surprise for the very end of the show. Here's the part that bothered me the most about the legends last night. I liked the beginning, Drew coming out, all the legends there. You know, Sean kind of apologizes. Hope you don't mind that we interfered in your match and basically cost, you know, basically caused you to win the match. If it wasn't for us, you got you, you know, you probably would have never won. So they they kind of put it out there. Drew's like, yeah, it's cool. Don't worry about it. Drew's putting everybody over. They're having a big hug fest. Segment ends. Where do the legends go for the rest of the show? They go until, like, I guess that's just like an office in the back or catering. And they just. The legends they just lounge. Start playing. They, yeah, the legend. That's right. They actually had it on the door. The legends lounge. And they're playing cards. Yes. They weren't just playing cards, Dave. What game were they playing? And they play a little, little, little. What? Poker. Yeah, a little poker. They were playing poker. Very interesting. We've been talking about poker a lot on this show, and they're playing poker. Yep, we we have play, we have had a lot of talk about poker. And they were playing the exact poker game that I have been referring to on this show when it comes to dealing that final card. We see them in the back playing poker throughout the show, right? Mm-hmm. Is Big Show Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, and Christian not interested in Monday Night Raw? Maybe I should be playing poker while Monday Night Raw is on instead of watching the show. Why couldn't we get these legends in the Legends Lounge with Raw on in the background? Couldn't we at least got that? Why couldn't we get the legends watching Raw and talking about it? Why couldn't we get the legends? Why, why when the Hurt Business had their six-man or, or whatever else went on the ring? Why when Mandy Rose debuted, Ric Flair couldn't have been like, wow, Mandy Rose, that's a big get for Monday Night Raw. Why couldn't we have the legends putting over the younger talent while they were watching Raw? They, because, because, yeah, because they weren't watching. <laughs> they were just playing their game of poker. So, so if the legends don't want to watch Raw, why should I? Well, I mean, I think they, I think, oh, go ahead, Bully. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Dave. No, I was thinking that's why it was, they were making it so obvious. You knew that Orton was going to come back there and attack them. Why else would you have them back there? Why else would you have Randy just leave at the beginning of the show? Whenever somebody leaves, Bully, you know they're coming back. So he walks out and then... They keep showing the legends in the in the back playing poker. Like you're right. If they were showing Monday Night Raw and they were commentating on Raw or they were making a little suggestions or they were saying, "Oh, great!" Like you said, "Hey, Mandy Rose, hey, now part of Raw. This is good move." If they were talking about the show, it would at least be a distraction. But the fact that they were back there just playing poker, like they were waiting for something, that was obvious to me and everybody else that Randy Orton was going to come back. And attack all four legends, which he ultimately did. But I don't want to see a distraction from those legends. They shouldn't, those legends, I don't think they should be there for a distraction. They should be there to help get talent over. And those legends can get talent over via what they're talking about. 
No matter what they say, they can present something that makes you look at a talent in a certain way. Man, Apollo, you know, uh, Christian could be like, you know, Apollo Crews, you know, even though Lashley beat him, you know, with the full Nelson, I'm telling you, Apollo's going to be something one day, and he's going he's gonna to do this, this, and that. Just listening to the legends talk about the current talent, putting over the current, current talent, those legends could have done more for the talent on the show last night than anybody at the announce desk. So they decided to not have them watch Raw, not even have Raw on in the background, They're playing cards all night, hooting and hollering, having a great time. But then the most important match of the night comes up. Drew issues an open challenge. Now, they try to throw us off the scent with the Big Show. Because didn't Big Show say, hey, I've never had a title match before and I'm not retired, right? Oh, oh, now it's like, oh, is is Show going to actually come out? Wow, maybe, you don't know. But now Drew is out that is out there for his open challenge. We don't know who's going to come out. Here comes Dolph bringing out Bobby Roode. What were the legends doing? How come My the legends God. were? How come the legends <laughs> weren't watching their guys' match? How come the four guys who decided to get involved in the Randy Orton match at the pay per view decided that playing poker was more important than watching? Who is going to challenge Drew and supporting their boy? Why couldn't they be parked in front of the television set? Like I, if they were paying, po- if they were playing poker all night long, and then in the final shot we see them watching, at least reacting to Drew's win. Nothing. The four legends aren't even paying attention to their guy's match. Do you not see a problem with that? Hey, everybody, this is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic fires it in to Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Bobby Roode is back on Monday Night Raw. We haven't seen Bobby Roode in quite some time. Obviously, they, he came over with the trade, you know, the trade that brought Dolph Ziggler in. Uh, and we hadn't seen Bobby Roode since the trade. And we saw him last night. I thought kind of Dolph gave it away earlier on when he was being interviewed and he said that he had somebody with him. I had a, didn't know for sure, but it seemed like it was probably going to be Bobby Roode. And it was Bobby Roode. And it was good to see Bobby Roode in the ring with Drew McIntyre. And I kind of like the idea, as I always do, Bully, of having those uh, open challenges like the one that we saw last night. It's good to see Bobby Roode back. He hadn't been in the ring in a long time. I don't think since probably around late February or March. Um Bobby's one of those talents that I have, listen, first of all, he's a friend. Second of all, he's, he, he's a great talent in the ring, and maybe that's the, the problem uh, with Bobby, that he's a good hand, and whenever you get labeled a good hand, it's kind of like the kiss of death in pro wrestling. I'd love to see them do something with Bobby. Uh, I'm not a big fan of throwing two guys together just for the sake of it, but Bobby and Dolph would be a hell of a team, hell of a work rate tag team, so maybe they'll do something with them. Um, 
Bobby did a good job uh, having a match with a, a, a much bigger guy, a much bigger guy that, you know, is not going to not going to sell and register as much for you because, you know, it just it is what it is right now. Drew's Drew's the guy over there. So but still great to see Bobby back. I'm going to go back to the point I was just making before I went to break, Dave, about the, the playing cards in the back because I never really got an answer from you. What What do you think of that? Like, um, you know what? I guess because I've been so WWE eyes over the last couple of years, bully. I didn't think of it until you just brought it up. Like, I honestly, okay. Now didn't... that I brought it up, do you have a problem with it or not? Of course I do. Of course I do because if you're going to bring back legends like a Ric Flair and a Shawn Michaels and a Christian, Big Show is still you know on the roster, so that's a little bit different. But if you're bringing these guys back. It's got to be for a reason, right, Bully? Like, you, you know, like, it needs to be, like, to get somebody over. And they, I understand. Well, they did, Randy Orton. Yeah, I, I, and I understand that. But if you're going to have them in the back and they're going to be playing cards, is it is it that much out of the realm of possibility that if they're at the arena that there wouldn't be a monitor in the back where they could watch Monday Night Raw? Why not? We always get that monitor in the back where somebody's standing there like a dope standing in a weird position watching the camera so that, you know, watching the TV so the camera can still shoot them, reacting like all pensively, like, ooh, that was a great move. Oh, we're going to shoot to the back to watch this person watching a TV screen. Well, yeah, of course they can have a monitor. And you know what? At the very least, what should have happened is this. Drew should have been in the ring. They could have shot to the back. You could have seen them playing, and then all of a sudden, Nate or Sean could have been like, whoa, 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 don't deal that last card. Drew's on. We got to watch Drew's match. Now I'm like, wow, look at the, you know, they, they want to watch Drew. That's At the very least, we know that those four guys are there to support Drew. So if they didn't watch Raw, okay, whatever, but at least they should be watching Drew's match. Especially but, but, when they were there when he made the open challenge. Sorry, it's a major disconnect to me. Nobody's going to care about it tomorrow because we're going to move on and nothing matters. But it's little things like that. I believe that's a missed opportunity last night to have four legends getting over young talent, at the very least watching the guy that they were there to support. Bully. It's crazy, but I didn't think about it until you mentioned it. I'll be honest. I didn't think about it until you mentioned it. There was not one point where I was watching that show last night. I was like, why aren't they watching Monday Night Raw? Which is crazy to think about, but I didn't until you mentioned it. So credit to you, obviously. But you mentioned about the main event, and that's a no-brainer. Like, why are they not invested in the main event when they were a part of what we saw at Clash of Champions? But it's the little things that I think make a difference. And it's something small like, you know, like Rose, you know, coming out, Mandy Rose coming over from SmackDown and, you know, like little things like that where Michael Cole is going to get all excited. Oh, you know, screaming like the commentators are going to get all excited about that. But it's one thing about, you know, if it's coming from a Shawn Michaels, if like... If Shawn Michaels is like, oh, look at Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. You know what? Dana Brooke, really underrated. I've got to see her in action. And you know what? I'm glad that she's – I think Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke are going to be one hell of a tag team together. I think they'll complement themselves 
you know, and then they have the match and then maybe just a couple of things where Flair turns to Shawn Michaels and says, wow, you were really right. They got some chemistry together. Hey, it's no joke beating somebody like Natalia. Like, I, I know it sounds small, but those little small things mean a lot. That's Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. And that's Dana Brooke and, and, and Mandy Rose. You put them together for a reason. You must be tagging them together for a reason. So you know what? A Shawn Michaels, a Hall of Famer, and Ric Flair, the greatest of all time, commenting about Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke, I would think, Bully, that would go a long way. It's an absolute no-brainer to me, and it's not rocket science. Sorry, I just don't get it. And let's just say you didn't have time to shoot all that or or whatever. At the very least, they should have shot them watching Drew. Hey, guys, Drew's match is on. Come on, let's finish this game up. Let's go watch Drew. Remember back in the day when the APA would be playing cards? Yeah. They were active roster members. They're not going to care what's on the rest of the show. Bradshaw would be saying... I don't care who's out there. I'm, I'm, I'm playing cards right there. My time's up. I'm going to go out there and kick some ass. And Ron would say, damn, let's drink some beer and play some cards. Yeah. I can understand why they would be playing cards. Four legends? No. I would think four legends would want to be invested in Monday Night Raw and at the very least invested in their guy. Hey, everyone. This is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. We talk about the legends, and maybe the legends could have got a little bit more involved last night with getting the roster over. I tell you one legend that's doing a hell of a job of getting people over. And that's Ray Mysterio because this storyline right now, I'm invested hundred percent bully. Uh, and I think it's getting Murphy over. I think it's definitely helped Seth Rollins with this Monday night Messiah character. Dominic has been a pleasure to watch in the ring. And then you have Aaliyah Mysterio's daughter that's gotten involved. Like with some of the things that we've talked about where, you know, raw has gotten things wrong. This is one thing that Raw has gotten right. I am completely invested in the Mysterio family story. I have liked the Mysterio family story, and now I am starting to really like the Mysterio family story because of the involvement with Aaliyah. Aaliyah is the piece of the puzzle that makes this interesting because we now we have a family member in turmoil. Dominic has always been on dad's side. Seth has never been able to lure Dominic to the dark side. But now we have Aaliyah in a quandary. She's had a moment or two with Buddy. She feels bad for Buddy. She doesn't think Buddy's a bad guy. She might even be a little smitten with Buddy. We see them exchanging text messages. But the Mysterio family are like, no, this is a bad person. This is a bad person. And Dominic doesn't want to hear any of it. He's so pent up with anger that he wants to make sure he's inflicting pain on Buddy. And last night, you know, we see we see the doubt within Aaliyah and then mom and dad, you know, chasing her up the ramp and you can only run so fast in uh, chunky Louis Vuitton heels. I mean, you know that Dave. Um, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> 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 uh, so um, you know, 
Mom and dad are concerned about Aaliyah. The, the, uh, you know, Ray is concerned about fighting. Aaliyah trying to stick up for Buddy. He's a good guy. This is relatable. This is a family in turmoil. People can very easily understand and digest this story. We're getting good matches out of Ray, Seth. Uh, I'm sorry, out of out of uh, out of out of uh, Dominic. Dominic. Seth and Buddy have done a phenomenal job of helping Dominic get over in the ring and making sure Dominic gets better. I don't see any part of this story that for me is not working. It's a real life soap opera that could happen to just about anybody. You have a 14 year old daughter, right? Maybe one day when your daughter is 19, like Aaliyah is, there's going to be a situation where you think that a, a, a boy that she's dating uh, uh, might not be good for her. And she's going to be like, dad, no, you're wrong. You don't get it. You don't understand them the way I do. And all of a sudden there's strife. The, the only part last night that I thought they went, I, that they could have left out was Aaliyah smacking Dominic. I thought it was a little too soon in the story for the smack. Just a tiny thing right there. But for the most part, I'm really interested in seeing where this goes. Because who's right? Is Aaliyah right? Does she really see the good in Buddy? Or is this just a ploy by Seth and Buddy to reel the entire family in to get them just where they want them? Uh, it, it's relatable to the point, Bully. Like, I watch it and, like, they just, G Gabby just played the clip of, of Seth Rollins talking to the family about the DM messages. And it's like, like I, wa I want to take a swing at the guy. The, the condescending attitude, uh, making assumptions, you know, little innuendos. Like, you know, if I'm Rey Mysterio, I, I, I want to beat the shit out of this guy. W what are you saying here? What are you trying to imply here? You know, who what do I'm you saying? wait? Who, who do you want to beat up? Seth Rollins. Oh, Seth. Okay. As, yeah, he's yeah, read, yeah, as he's yeah. reading gotcha. those DM messages, like, and then like I'm I, like, and then Ray Mysterio like last week saying, you know, you're naive to this business, you're naive to this situation, and Aaliyah taking ex exception. I'm sure a lot of 19 year old, you know, women that are are, are are watching that show are like, yeah, that's just like my old man. It's the same thing my old man tells me, and I'm watching this. I'm watching this, and I'm like. You know, son, Aaliyah, boy, she, she's just so blind. This guy's up to no good. Just listen to your father. He knows best. Listen to your mother. She knows best. Like, th this, this obviously, this guy is playing you. How can you be so blind? Do you, understand, do you see where I'm going, Bully? Like, a 19-year-old's watching it in one way, and me as a 49-year-old father, I'm watching it in another way. It's, it's, it's. It's, man, it's perfect. And as much as we like to come bitch and complain about Monday Night Raw, and listen, I bitch and complain about Monday Night Raw a lot. Probably nobody bitches and complains about Monday Night Raw more than I do. I can't think of another storyline that's come from the WWE that has hooked me as much as this storyline on Monday nights. And to the point where I can't wait for next Monday night to see what's going on. And I just, I really, I... So we need to get a Leon because she needs to be a little bit more respectful to her old man. She knows more. And that's your mother. And that's your brother, by the way. That's your older brother. Smacking him. Smacking your, your brother in the face. Who the hell do you think you are? He's just trying to protect you for crying out loud. 
And this guy, Murphy, he's a piece of shit. Because I'm telling you right now, Bully, he's still in cahoots with Seth Rollins. She is being played. I see, you know what I see talking to you? You got a little bit, you got a little bit of Murphy in you. He see, there's a little bit. I, I I saw a little bit of Murphy when you played uh, played Brooke Hogan with Hogan. Same thing, man. You wrestlers are all the same, all the same. You're all the same, and they're they're using Aaliyah to get to Rey Mysterio, and and the fact that she doesn't see that, and if listen to your father, he knows more than you are naive. You're a 19-year-old that's been coddled your entire life. Everything's been handed to you. You probably never even worked a real job in your life because your father pays for everything. I see it on you. Designer clothes every Monday night. You weren't a cashier. You weren't a cashier at ShopRite, believe me. You wanted something, your daddy did it. And then what do you do? How do you thank your old man? By DMing Murphy. And there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here. Disrespect. It wow. really pisses me off. It really does. This, what we are seeing is foreshadowing in you, Dave. You are terrified about when your daughter turns 19 and turns into Aaliyah. And she brings home a guy like Murphy. Because you know Abby's going to bring home a pro wrestler. (laughs) (laughs) And she's going to be like, Dad, I grew up with wrestling. You were a wrestling fan. All you talked about was wrestling six days a week. Wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And now you're going to get mad at me for bringing home a pro wrestler? What we're seeing right now is your fear that in about another five, six years. Not even. Bully, you got my daughter's age wrong. She's not 14. She's 17. Oh, I didn't know. I thought Abby was She's a little right younger. Okay. Oh, so this is even worse. House. This is even worse. Twerk. Two years. Two years. Knock. Knock at the door. Oh, uh, yes. Hi, Mr. LaGreca. I'm here to pick up your daughter. Imagine if it's MJF. MJF <laughs> comes knocking at the door. Imagine. What would you do if your daughter wanted to date a pro wrestler? I would, you know what? I it's it's a little bit different <laughs> now than it was like back in you know back in the day. There's some wrestlers I wouldn't, you know. There's some gentlemen in the business, I think. Yeah, because you'd be like, oh, can I interview him, interview you first before you take my daughter to uh, Fridays or Bennigan's or wherever the hell you go there in Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just would want some, but here's the thing, though. Time out. I would th- go ahead. I want Dad. You make your point first. Sorry. No, I I would think the relationship that I have with my daughter that she would listen to the advice that I give her. Absolutely not. No daughter listens to their their father's advice when they turn 18, 19 years old. Look at the girl we got on the show. She hasn't been listening since the day she came bobsledding out. But that's different. Gabby's like an exception to the rule. She's a rebel. I don't know about my daughter. She's quiet. But then Aaliyah's quiet, too. You can tell she's quiet. But see, your daughter's quiet now. She's reserved now. And then one day, all of a sudden, va ba boom They come out of their shell. Here's the problem that I have with Aaliyah. Okay? This guy, Murphy, 
You know, first of all, there's an age, there's an age difference here with Murphy. The guy's like he's a little weathered. You know what I'm saying? He's he's like, 32. He's she's 19. 30, Is that still, awful? She's 19, but a lot of experience. Boldly, you know, when you were 19, totally different person when you're 19 to 32. Oh, I completely agree. But 19 Very, is, we're not talking about somebody who's not of legal age to vote, of no, legal age no. to go to war, of legal age no, to get no. married on their own. <laughs> but but you would agree, a lot of living between 19 and 32. A lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, experiences between 19 and 32. I'm not going to get well, sure. specific on but sure. this, okay? But, 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 but what, sure. Happens if a 30, what happened if a 32-year-old 32 32 was dating a 50-year-old? You could say the same thing. That 50-year-old has a lot more experience than the 32-year-old. It's subjective. No, 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 no. 19's different, my friend. Especially, especially Aaliyah, who's been coddled her for her life with the Mysterio family. You think, come You're on You're just now. mad. You're just mad because they wear Louis Vuitton and Givenchy, and you're still shopping at Target. Well, because you can buy more at Target, you know? I like Target, though. I like Target. Cold. Check this out. I want to make a point to you about the show in general. Listen, I'll just, I want, uh, Gabby, get Aaliyah, because I got, we got to, we need, Bully, we need Aaliyah on the show because we need to talk to this girl. I need to talk to this girl. Slapping her brother in the face? You had a problem when you thought it was too much? No, it wasn't too much. No. That tells you exactly. Yes, because I didn't think it was too much. I thought it was too soon. I thought it was too soon. I don't think she. Seemed a little too soon for her to lay her hands on her brother. On her brother. And, and kids fight all the time. But, I mean, I don't think there was enough fighting amongst... I think that's the first time we saw Dominic and Aaliyah really... I, they, they, they had the spotlight last night. And, by the way, I thought those two young kids did a phenomenal job with the spotlight on their own last night. No mommy, no daddy, yeah. no Seth, no buddy, no nobody. And Aaliyah... And Dominic had a great moment. You could see it in their eyes. You could see a brother and sister with a lot of love for one each other, for one another, yet totally disagreeing with one another. They did really well. I'd say Aaliyah has just as much as a future in the world of sports entertainment as, as Dominic does. But they did a phenomenal job. I just thought the smack was too soon. Here's like, the problem. You, Here's why, Okay. I, I, I'm sorry, boy. I, I'm sorry. I, I know I'm you want to rant. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, I'm go, go, stepping go. All over you because I'm very emotional right now. That's all right. That's you know why she's like? Because she's smitten. She's smitten with this guy. Yeah. And when I'm telling you right now, the fact that she got physical with her brother, she would kick her family to the curb for this guy. And this guy is, I'm telling you, this guy is bad. He is bad news. It's bad news. Hanging out with Seth Rollins. Bad, bad guy. This, 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 this Murphy character. Let's see if Buddy and Seth can screw over the Ray, the the Mysterio family like I screwed over the Hogan family. You were a son of a bitch. That's the other thing too. You can't tell me that Murphy is. This is a ploy from Seth. Murphy is not. They, they are not. At, at odds, Murphy and Seth. They're still, they're, they're in cahoots with this whole thing. You are a bad guy. But you know what? You Thank did, you. It did help you win the world championship. That's it. That was. The, I kept my eye on the prize. Kept my eye on the prize. Destroyed a family, won a world championship. That's how it's done.
You, destroy, you destroyed more than that. 877-344-4893. 877-FIGHT93. Uh, we'll get back to this. There's a lot to get into. Got to get the take of the nation. And I'll say this right now because guns. And, uh, guns again. Pissing me off. Like, not as much as he did yesterday or, or last week with the whole, he still doesn't know who Rufus is. It's, a, it's unbelievable. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. Snake from Skid Row called me last night to say, what's with this Guns character? Why does he? I know Rufus's voice at this point. Guns still calls him Leonard. So still can't get still can't get his name right. Then yesterday with the music. Luther, Luther, not Leonard, Luther. Doesn't matter. It's not his name. It's Rufus. And then Guns with the music. And then Bully, can you please repeat what Guns said during the break before we started talking about this whole Dominic Mysterio stuff? What did Guns say in break? Just repeat it if you could. Uh, I don't pay attention to him a lot, so I wasn't sure. He said, I, I'm, I'm totally not into this whole Mysterio thing. It's oh, that's right. He buried the Mysterio angle. That's right. I'm not into it. Completely. He dug a hole. He threw the Mysterio angle into the hole, filled the hole with dirt, put some lime around it, and that's that. Yeah, and, and, and he thought we were going to agree with him. Absolutely not. And this is my point. <laughs> with the WWE, are they getting the Roman story right? Yes. Are they getting the Mysterio story right? Yes. If you can get those stories right, you can get everything right. Yeah, maybe one or two stories or one or two characters don't necessarily click. But things going the right way should not be an anomaly. It should be the rule. The way it was back in the day, you have a plethora of right. And by the way, you want to see, you want to know what a WWE writer looks like these days? They what? showed you one last night. On oh, TV. The, the, and the catering with the, the, with the hurt business? Yes. Lose. Now, do do now looks looks don't have anything to do with it. I'm no, not no. saying that. Oh, the guy, but I'm saying, did that guy? Does that guy look like he has has any life experience mixing it up, getting into a fight, knowing what it's like to be a badass, a wrestler, a physical athlete? No, not at all. This is why wrestlers, to me, would do a better job in those positions because they have real life experiences. These are your these are your 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 soldiers that are in the foxholes and the front lines who know what it's like. These guys, a lot of the writers today, they can't relate to a pro wrestler, so they'll write something that, oh, this will be funny. Yeah, but that guy would never say that funny line. Hey everyone, this is Kirk Morrison. This is Greg McElroy. And this is Nate Burleson. With the 2020 NFL season finally upon us, we're excited to announce three new NFL podcasts from SiriusXM. On Total Coverage, we'll explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. On Inside the Pocket, we will go under the helmet for all the quarterbacks in the NFL. And on 17 Weeks, Jamal Adams, Emmanuel Sanders, and Eric Ebron will discuss the latest NFL stories straight from the locker room. New episodes of all three podcasts will be available every week on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. Friend of the show, Hall of Famer, just calling in the legendary. Edge joins us here on Busted Open. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I heard Bob's say that somebody smelled like chlamydia, and that <laughs> made me almost run off the road. So I decided if I'm going to run off the road, I might as well call in and just comment on that comment because that was absolutely stellar. 
<laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah. Bully's got a lot of them. A lot uh, of these one-liners. I will be. I will be stealing that. <laughs> By the way, how you, Ed, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good. Just uh, you know, dropping the girls off at uh, our homeschooling and just running errands. So I thought, what better time to call? I actually have my mind to myself. I know it's it, this the, uh, the homeschooling's tough. I mean, that has been that's been rough. It's been good and bad, if that makes any sense, all at the same time. But you know how how are you feeling too? And but also too, Edge, like. Um, I have to say this, and I know Bully's going to kill me because we have a Hall of Famer like Edge on, and this is the first thing I'm bringing up. But I, I heard you on the Metal Injection podcast, which you did a tremendous job. I thought it was very good. You know, you're talking about your fandom of music, and I thought it was great. And you didn't talk a lot about Pearl Jam, that made it even better. But it oh. actually, but it actually gave me chills and threw me back to third grade Dave LaGreca at Lincoln School when you mentioned that you had a powder blue Destroyer t-shirt because I had the same t-shirt, powder blue Kiss Destroyer t-shirt. Amazing. Yeah, which makes me now wish I'd burned it, the fact that we both shared that in common because I am way cooler than you because you don't like Pearl Jam, which makes me doubt everything in your soul. So I'm just going to throw that out there. To each his own, to each his own. I actually think I'm actually pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I'm cool in, this, in the LaGreca house, at least. Uh, so, so, Edge, how are well, you feeling? Way to go. <laughs> how, are you fe- how are you feeling physically? How is physically? Are you, how's your arm? How's everything? I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, it's a learning process, right? Because I'm, I'm going to be 47 next month. So I didn't know how I'd heal from injuries, from surgeries, things like that. It, it's a slow process. I'm not going to lie. The tricep is a different thing. Um, you know, I, I got back from an Achilles in six months, but I was, you know, 35 doing that. So at, at 10 plus years, I don't know. It's just a different thing. You don't realize how much your tricep is involved in almost everything you do in terms of arm movement. So I, I don't really know yet. I know it's a lot slower than I thought it was going to be because I just have this mentality of, right, no big deal, surgery, PT, and we, we grind through it, we break down the scar tissue, and off we go. So I don't know if it's the injury itself, if it's I'm a little older, I don't know what it is, but it's not as fast as I would have liked. It, it, did, did they add a lot of time onto the recovery time frame? Like if it was going to be six months, is it now nine, or is it, is it much worse no. than you thought? Well, we just haven't got to explosive stuff yet, so we don't really know. Uh, it, it's still just kind of, it's three months out, right? So it's, I don't know, maybe I'm just impatient, I think is really what it is more than anything. I just assume that by three months I should be almost ready to go, and that's not the case. So I, I maybe I just need a little more patience and a little bit, um, a little more patience with my body now, you know? You know, Randy and, Orton's you know, a real piece of shit, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it was going really good. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's and like that damn viper, he's night guy. Yeah. So uh, he's got night vision. He's he's got a new clothing line that him and his wife are half naked peddling on social media. <laughs> man, I, I got to get back. 
I got to get back. I got I got to shut them up. You know, Edge, I'm, I'm interested. This is not just for you, but like athletes in general. Like, are you able to watch Raw on a Monday night? Like, knowing you're going through this process right now of trying to get back physically, like, is it difficult for you to sit down and watch a Monday Night Raw? Strangely, a little, um, but only from the aspect of things that I've never encountered before. So I never encountered doubt before. I never looked at something and go, can I physically do that? That never crossed my mind. And now it does. And now it's a, it's a different thing. Uh, it's sure it's because I'm older, but it's also because I have kids now and, and I just see things and I realize how this happened and how this happened wouldn't have happened before. So it does, you know, I watch it and go, okay, should I get in there and pull off a match with that guy? I think I could. Nah, I know I can. It's just this inner dialogue that I have with myself um, when I watch that I do go through that I would not have had before. I, I got to tell you, bud, though, I mean, you took, you were, you're gone for nine, ten years, whatever it was. You came back. You, you, you looked great. You performed great. You had, you know, two great matches with Randy. I know it's got to be frustrating to have, have the brakes hit so quick on you with an injury. But I think you've already proved to yourself that you can bounce back from stuff like this. So if you can bounce back from a neck thing, I'm sure you can bounce back from this. Well, and that's my mentality, right? It, it's, you know, nothing is, is going to be harder than the neck was or, or the Achilles for that matter. Um, so it, it might just take a little longer than I want this time. So I, I have to, I have to come to grips with that. And I have to realize that I'm dealing with a, a different, uh, different reality now. Right. So, you know, I'll get back. It, I don't know what the time frame is, but I will because when I do watch, man, I get excited because I just I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to get in there with with guys and, and really just try and and hands on show them and and just the, the difference of how it can be. You know, I just I look at guys like, man, it put me in with Ricochet and just just let me do my thing. You know, I would, I would love that. And, and Ali and, you know, just, there's so many guys that I would love to, to get in there with. Um, so that to me is really the thing that, that excites me, you know, is to, is to get in there with a guy like Rollins. Cause everybody I think wants to see that one. And it's, there's just so many talent that I've never, ever even touched, never even crossed paths with. So that is, is really the incentive for me to get back. And I said at the beginning of this thing, when I came back, I wanted to try and make a difference. I didn't want to come back and just collect a paycheck. I want to get in and try and pay this forward like so many people did for me. You know, I, I was lucky, man. I got in the ring with Terry Funk, with, with Jerry Lawler. I took a pile driver in Memphis. Like, I did Bret Hart, all of these guys that, that helped me along the way. You know, I feel like with this kind of gift that's been given to me, that's that's what I got to do with this. So I want to get back to do that because I know the window's not large. When you talk about all those things that happened in your past with, with all those legends, and I know this is going to sound like a cliche question, but is there one lesson that you learned from any particular veteran on any given night that has st stood out to you and is at the front of your mind for your entire career? 
I, what I got from all of them, from from Rick to Sean to Taker to Jerry to Terry to Hogan to all of them, never panic. There's no reason to panic. We're in control. We tell the story. We don't let anyone else dictate the story. We tell the story. And when you have that in mind, that you you can do anything. You're the one telling the story. And I think that was the thing that I gleaned, you know, from all of them. And, you know, one lesson I learned so early on was that the guy, um, Dr. Luther, he's, he's now down in AEW. And he was like the first experienced guy that I'd worked. He'd been to Japan. He'd been in FMW and all these places. We were working, and I was probably like my 50th match or something. And we're having a street fight. So he calls the spot, and I immediately went to do it. He went, whoa, hold on. Pump the brakes. You got it? I was like, oh, I, I don't have to go right away. I can actually stop and, and, and register what he said instead of just instantly go. I've never forgot that lesson. He doesn't even know it was a lesson for me, I'm sure. But that, that really, really, you know, the light bulb went off. There was a lot more light bulbs that needed to go off, but that was the first one that I distinctly remember going, oh, my God, he just cracked open my brain. This is different than I thought. Uh, Edge, if you don't mind, I, I'd like to take a moment to talk about uh, Beth Phoenix and the job that she's doing uh, with NXT. I, I've said it on the show. I've been vocal about it on social media. Uh, she's brought um, an aspect to commentary on that show that I think was sorely missed in pro wrestling, like the true, you know, color commentator, like you would get in, you know, the NHL or the NFL where, you know, giving that perspective of, of the former athlete and what's going on in the mind of an athlete, especially in the ring. And I think that she continues to do just an amazing job on commentary. Well, thank you. I, I know she appreciates it. She really does because she's her own worst critic, right? We we all are, but she is really, really hard on herself, and she's really she's woodshedded this thing to to try and get better, you know. And she'll have doubts, and we'll talk about it. And I say, honey, listen, you have something that no other commentator on the roster can can say. You have been to WrestleMania. You've done these things. You're a Hall of Famer. These are all things that you have that you bring to the table. And she knows so much of those things. You know, she knows about pressure points and she knows what the effect of a hold should be and and the idea behind it. And not only that, the story that the talent in the ring are trying to tell because nothing is worse for a talent than to be busting your ass and the commentators are not talking about the story you're trying to tell. That's really frustrating because they're tools for you. I used to sit down with JR and say, this is what we're going to try and get across tonight. And JR was always right on top of it. That was such a, an extra element that is often overlooked that, man, if I'm a talent, one of the first things I do, what's the start of my match? Like the greatest wrestling match ever, <laughs> right? I went, I went to Tom, I went to Joe. I said, this is what we're going to try and get across. Boom. That was it. That's all that needed to be said. And I knew they'd take it from there. If you don't do that, to me, you're, you're just either lazy or you just haven't thought of it because that can be a massive, massive tool in your toolkit. And for me, Beth brings that to the table. So I, obviously I'm biased, but, um, you know, I, I, she's her hardest critic, but I always try and let her know she's doing a good job. So I appreciate that. I can't believe I'm actually appreciating something that you say. <laughs> 
See that, McGregor? See that? We're a lot. No, you see, this is where he... Hall of Famers <laughs> call in just to bury you. I love it. No, no, no. He needs to realize we're a lot closer alike than different. He needs to He needs to, he needs okay. to realize that. I, 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 well, I, I don't know. Say, if you had a powder blue Kiss Destroyer shirt, then we were probably cut from similar cloth. I'm just way more handsome. Some would disagree, but pro- you're probably right on that point. <laughs> <laughs> Your household would disagree because they think you're cool. And they do, but though, though I'm, all my daughter talks about, and again, this is that moment that a lot of people look back on as one of the greatest moments, and 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 somebody that had so many great moments is that moment at the Rumble this past Rumble. I mean, because it was really truly like. No, the last time we've seen that type of a crowd at a wrestling event. And, you know, here my daughter sitting with her algebra teacher, re-watching that moment and bringing tears to both their eyes because it truly was that final moment before we got into the pandemic and now having everything that everybody's had to deal with. I mean, I think you probably look back at that moment and not even realizing what was about to happen as one of the greatest moments of your career. I, I, you know, I think it might go down as the greatest when it's, uh, I'll try and change that, you know, coming back. But, you know, there, there was a, a groundswell of this thing happening at that point, but I don't think anybody knew it was going to be what it became. Um, so we didn't know how special that night was going to be, how special it was going to be to have an audience of that size, that magnitude, and how long it would be until we possibly have that again. You can't know that stuff, right? So I knew it was special that night, but if anything, it's gained even more, um, more of a special spot for me just because of everything that the, the world is going through right now. Um, it, it's kind of insane. And I, that being said, I don't know if I can watch it because it makes me miss the audiences so much. It is, as a performer, man, we feed off of those guys. We feed off of the, uh, the audience. And, and for them not to be there, man, it's hard. And... You know, I, I like now that you can hear some crowd integration that, you know, they we Randy and I were the guinea pig and everybody tried to shit all over it. But now nobody even mentions it. Uh, I think it, it helps. And it, it's at least something as some kind of remembrance of, of audiences. Right. And, and I think the Thunderdome is a massive upgrade. I dig the look at that and everything. But, man, I can't wait to get audiences back and just get out there and do our thing properly, you know. Listen, Edge, I appreciate you calling in. Uh, thank you so, so much for the time. We truly appreciate it. Thank you. Wow, I thought you were going to kick me off. I thought you were going to get in your final jab there. Well, this that, is... that was classy. We, we no, he's going to wait. We might. He's going to wait until here, you. Ha- he's going to wait until you hang up, and then he's going to make some snide, dicky comment about you. What? Trust me. I would never do that. But uh, Bubs, you're you're my heater. That's why I know you'll back me up. I got you one on that one thousand percent, especially with this guy. Oh, He's always taking jabs at the boys. I t- taking, taking jabs? How? How would I take jabs? You do. That's what you do. No, listen, uh, listen. I'm a big fan. The guy's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. He's got amazing musical taste. So well, there's nothing bad that I can say about Edge. And Edge, thanks again for the time. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. 
Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.